Hello, this is the Potters Podcast, and welcome. Welcome. We've got a packed show for you today. We're going to discuss all the week's topic, including Mark's new haircut. We're going to have to discuss that. Well, I've got to do what I've got to do, haven't I? I've <laughs> I thought, done a decent job. I thought you would have shaved it, to be honest, because everyone at the moment looks like prisoners. It looks like prisoners outside and in at the moment. I have seen a few dodgy ones on the way work, like where it looks like a mower's gone out. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it shaved back, you know. Because I can't really do hotels, getting bold, obviously. Nothing I can do, There's really. There's two shavers, really. Well, there is, there is at the sides. There's not much grass left on the pitch. There's plenty, there's plenty on the sides, just struggling a bit on the top. But anyway, the listeners don't want to listen to that. We're going to obviously discuss the week's topics. We'll go in first with, obviously, the Bet365 news that Boris and the government are about banning betting companies being on the shirt sponsors. We're obviously then going to cover the player ratings. In the middle of that, we're going to have a player question to see if I go 4-2 ahead this week. And obviously, we're going to talk about the ever-closing trapdoor of the transfer deadline day. Yeah, and I've got a couple of other bits of news for us as well. Other bits of news as well. Right, so first we'll go into the Bet365 news. What about having it basically betting going to be banned from shirt sponsors from the next season or next couple of seasons or whatever. We don't know if this is going to have a major blow to Stoke City. Well, I think, I, th- I, I mean, I don't know, but I'm presuming it's going to affect some form of finance somewhere. Well, it is because, I mean, every single team pretty much now has a betting company attached to them. There's a lot of teams that, that have betting companies and it, and it brings a lot of revenue in. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I presume, I mean, it's bad for Stoke because we're run by a betting company, but... Obviously, for other clubs, come the end of the season, you just look for a new match sponsor, don't you? For the for the shirt, it, yeah, it, it's it's not quite as destitute for for other clubs as it is us. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, having bet three six five and the shirt not being able to, will Denise Coates take exception to that and not and decide not put as much in as, as she normally does or whatever? It, it could have a big effect. I mean, it's going to be weird now having bet three six five and the shirt if we do swaps to I don't know Brendan's chippy or something. <laughs> you know, it could be anything. Well, I don't think it's going to be that. I don't think we're that destitute state, shall we? What are you sponsored by? Saxon Shires. <laughs> sponsored by TK Maxx. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be that bad, but it will have a knock-on effect. It's got to financially because, like I say, it does bring in revenue and it's revenue for the owners. So maybe if we can link up with another company and it isn't going to affect us too much because the thing is we don't know what what money bet 365 as a company have got in other business ventures you don't know yeah a lot of big businesses have other ventures that they, that they enter into so there might be something that we don't know about well i mean some people were talking about it and they were saying well if if betting's been banned obviously betting companies have been banned off the shirts so then why aren't like short day bank loans like wonga and all that lot being Banned from the shirt. It's how far it's going to go, isn't it? Because the Snowflake Brigade now, you, you can't say anything about anything. I mean, the thing is, the betting on the shirts. A child can't walk into a, into a betting shop till he's eighteen. No, it does get him into the head. It's like McDonald's, isn't it? When you used to watch those McDonald's adverts, you know, even now somebody goes around a mac. Oh, mackies! <laughs> you can't help yourself, can you? It's one of them because it, it gets in your head eventually, and it's like you'll see. Things on Facebook like sales things like oh oh sales oh and you end up buying a coat which you don't need and don't want yeah but I think the problem on the on the obesity front is is when they're selling twenty nuggets for four quid or whatever that there's the problem it's yeah. selling things in bulk 
that where the where the problem is there. You go in the supermarket and they've got twenty chocolate bars for two quid. Yeah, away. you don't get like individual cookies or anything like that because sometimes you do fancy one, but yeah. you don't buy a pack because you end up eating the packs you don't want to get wasted. Well, I've always thought that the one cookie well, you want. I've always thought that with chocolate bars. The little one, seventy nine p. A giant slab of it's a quid. <laughs> <laughs> You wonder why kids are struggling. Is <laughs> <laughs> that giant one on the quid? Shouldn't it be like three or four quid? Well, it's like you know, I went into the shop to buy some crisps, and there was like a multi pack of twenty four bags for like one pound fifteen, but like a one pack of its own was eighty p. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're just signing, signing your own death list. Though. People, I think you can get drawn into them deals when you go in the supermarket yourself. You go in yeah, and you, you go, do, yeah. they're three for a tenner. Yeah, but I don't like any of them. We'll just have two of them instead. <laughs> the just have two of the ones you do yeah. like and murder them. <laughs> just have the same tea for two nights. It's like having a normal packet of crisps, which look so measly compared to a multi-pack, yeah. a share-a-bag. Yeah. You look at your that's like, what, well, a share-a-bag? Yeah. I did it the other day. Little wanted some crisps. Little bag of what suits, 79p. Giant family bag of quid. Yes. Great big bag. I mean, you're probably getting chuck off the bag, away. I know, it's ridiculous. But before we get people to start complaining that we become the franchise, the <laughs> the franchise police, people have been worried more about like the Bet365. Is that going to be allowed on the stadium? From everything I've read and looked into, it won't affect naming rights to the stadium so you, basically I don't think they could touch that anyway because the stadium is a building not exactly it's owned by the coach yeah it, it is whereas the, the kit is played within the league and then there might be some area uh, but a good question come out of it what would you call it if we had to change the name of the stadium well I I was when we changed it from the Brit I always wanted the old Vic the new Vic, sorry. The, the old Vic. Vic. <laughs> the, the new Vic. I wanted it to be called the new Vic. What about Victoria Ground 2? No, because it sounds a bit like you've wrote it on FIFA or something. <laughs> I, yeah. think, uh, the new, I mean, I don't know why we couldn't have done it like when it was like before. Is You have a name of the ground and then next to it saying sponsored by. Why we had to completely like get rid of the Britannia Stadium mm. and everything that it represented is for me so I don't know just never understood it I never understood it at Newcastle when they because that's always going to be St James's Park it's not anything else and any fan of any age knows that they'll always call it that especially our age I mean well yeah it happens to a lot of stadiums don't it it's like Walker Stadium Leicester I always called it Walker Stadium I still do now yeah but it is the King Power Stadium whatever yeah. now I don't know, I think, like, back in the day, it was named after a street, and then that was it, then. It was yeah. just what it was. I mean, personally, I'd probably have it as... I don't I don't know, probably the old... Uh, the new Vickers, probably a good way of calling it, but it's not on Victoria Road, is it? So it's it's one of them. I just it? think you've got, you've got to be careful that you're not in danger of, like, changing the name of the stadium as much as you change the kit every year as well. Because the thing is, I, I know it's only a name, but it, can't, it, it sort of gathers history, doesn't it? It's like... At Liverpool, the cop end, that ground will, that end will always be the cop end because of what it represents, the fans, the atmosphere, when they sing before kick-off. Turn around and change the name of that end of the stadium. Yeah, there's a few cops, isn't there? There is, but what I'm saying is that if they changed it, it destroys all that history that they've ever had at that end of the ground. It's always been known as that 
sort of baptism of fire and players walk out and, and the cops well, they did that, the Boovenend. Well, they did that with the Boovenend, didn't they? They renamed the, the, that stand the Boovenend. You know, naming the stadium, I think it's got, personally, I think it should have a name and then that's it. Yeah, the forever. Like, like Old Trafford or, you yeah. know, Allen Road and all, all these big stadiums we've seen in the past. You, never, you could never imagine them two clubs having a different stadium name unless they physically moved. Yeah, cause if it's like, physically moved, then yeah, I could understand it. But because it's like, um, what's it called, Millwall's ground? Yeah, the Dan. Yeah, well, it's on the same road, so it's literally yeah. just there to there. It's, it's called new, the New Den. It's the New Den now, yeah. yeah, but it's on. It's the same place basically. Same it's road, just yeah. just a bit down the road, so yeah. you know you can understand that. We well, people don't need to worry about that. I mean, I, I don't think they've got any right to change the name of a stadium. That's up to the people. It's it's a, it's a ground, it's, it's land. It's, yeah. You call land whatever you want if you own it. So I, I personally think Boris has got more important things to worry about than match sponsors on shirts at the moment. And and the thing is, when even football clubs are struggling financially at the moment, it's the wrong time for start questioning rights and wrongs about betting on shirts. When no one's going for a start. You're sort of saying that you're about influencing children. Well... <laughs> There's yeah, not many. Yeah, it's like Carabao, for example, the Carabao energy drink. Yeah. Their sales in the UK apparently tripled from being on the shirts of Chelsea. Yeah. So it shows you that it does it does sell things. So influence, yeah. So you've got to imagine now there's loads of eight year olds on Bet365 putting bets on. <laughs> why why into the moon on Carabao energy drinks? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, to be honest, it'd be great if we could get a Red Bull involved with Stoke. That would be quite good. Well, this is the thing. And to, I mean, obviously, if if there's somebody that the coach family can bring in, which will then bring more money into the club, then yeah. it's no big deal, is it, in the end? It's like Samsung with Chelsea, because they've got a lot of money in Chelsea as well, Samsung. You can have partners in there if they're willing to put the money in. Yeah. It is worth it. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be the end of it. Right, quiz question. It's my turn this week. So come on this week, you've got to make it hard this week, come on. I don't even know with you though, you might, you might just get it straight away, first one. Right, I'll start with first clue. Right. He played Premier League football right. with Leeds United. Right. He also was relegated from the Premier League right. with Leeds United. Right. And he played as a fullback. A fullback. That's mm. first clue. Played as a fullback, or did yeah. it? He played fullback, that was his main position. Right. I don't know who it is. <laughs> no, I don't. So you said relegated of Leeds. So we talk about when they got relegated in the noughties. I know. I think I know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> Big lad, wanted. Uh, no. Not not looking at not looking at his stats here. Smaller than me and you. Let's put it that way. Oh right. Right then. So we're going to have to go obviously into the the main feature now, which is obviously player ratings. And this week it's been obviously against Huddersfield Town. And we, we, before we go into play ratings, we have to give a mention to the referees in this division. It's, it's getting shocking now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, most most fans' reaction was it's not a red. I mean, it look. I think in full speed, it looks a lot worse than it actually is. Yeah, because obviously it goes upside down. point does it? Yeah, yeah. But that's not the only thing I'm talking about. It's like the Watford goal, which was embarrassing. And all through it, there's been so many times where you're looking at this going, what's going on with these referees at this level? Mm. I mean, it, for me, it was another game that 
I think if we just kept it to 11 men, we may have had a chance of sneaking something out of it, but it was a poor game of football, really, from both sides. It up. is, and there's a lot of pressure on Mark Lurie, which will obviously cover on the player rate, manager rating at the end of the game. But it was a welcome return to an injured goalkeeper on loan from, obviously from Southampton in its Angus score, and he was obviously in goal. Yeah, and... Like I say, we've got we have got three top goalkeepers really at the moment. It's not for so this much, level, yeah. For I, this I, level. I don't don't sort of worry. Can't really blame him much for the goal. Took a massive deflection, sort of wrong footed him before he knew he'd gone in anyway. So no, I can't blame him for the results. He he, 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 he there wasn't really clinical fin- finishing from Huddersfield. I mean, Fraser Campbell had that chance, which really should have been on target. The position. Brian had a chance. I mean, we were sort of sitting back for the first half. I mean, there was a lucky goal that they scored, which was actually weird because they had better chances to yeah. score in that first half, but didn't. We sort of managed to get ourselves back into it towards the half, but I think Angus Gunn, I'll give him a fair, I'll give him a fair six. He, he did yeah. his job. He didn't, he wasn't at fault for a lot. No. And when was called upon, he did do his job in ways. No miraculous saves, but he did his job in a way. Yeah. I'll give him a six as well. I thought on to Collins. I mean, he, he was kept busy for me, for especially second half. Um, I think they, to be honest, they deserve all credit because of the red card. They were, they were, were having a lot of pressure. They were under a lot of pressure, especially second half, because of course we had a man down. We had to change the shape. McLean had to come obviously a bit deeper to try and help out. Yeah, Toffoli was running at us quite a lot for them. There was, there was so much room on the right hand side, but when we haven't got a right back in there, a right wing back, we can't really blame him at the moment. So, no. to be honest, I, I thought Nathan Collins did all right. I'll give him a six. Yeah, nothing to really shine about. On to the man who was sent off, Norrington Davis. I feel sorry for him because it was never a red card in a million years. He, he got the ball. And yes, he followed through and hit the man, but he can't just disappear. He can't just open a trap door or, or flip away. He just, yeah. in, in quick time, it looks worse than it is, but it didn't help with him screaming like a, like a baby. We've seen it a couple of times this season where players have screamed and, and they've actually forced the referee's hand in other games, not just third games. I've seen it on telly where a player's screaming, ah, it's actually he's got a card hand. And you think, yeah. why don't you just have a look at the decision? You watching the game, whether he screams out or not, people can get bad injuries through good challenges. That's the problem now. We're getting a bit guilty if someone makes a challenge. If they get hurt, it's instantly a red card. I just think it's it's silly, really. Because yeah. he, he was playing he was playing well, to be fair. He was doing his job well. He was keeping the right side quiet, which is why everything of theirs was attacking through the left until yeah. he got injured and, of course, things started changing up a bit. But... I thought he did okay. He did all right. I mean, I'm, I'm going to give. I can't give him. A, I can't give him anything but a five. Really. Five, yeah. Because obviously the red card. If, but if it was a, if it was a horrendous tackle where he's got him two footed or whatever, I'd give him a two. But yeah, he didn't mean it. He shouldn't have been sent off. It was, it, at most, that was a yellow card. It, yeah. well, it was bad. It was. It was time wrong and all that stuff. But it was not a red card. No. Especially when he no. got the ball because he clearly got the ball first and then followed through to the man. There's nothing else he can do. I think I think there was a couple of Stoke players as well who were thinking it was offside that just before the challenge was. Well, made. it came off Collins, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, okay. Well, not Collins, sorry. It came off Chester. Harry in Sue full, in Chester. full speed, though. It does. When you look at him, I know it's took a deflection, but you could be easily mistaken to thinking offside straight away. And it yeah, they stopped, and, but Norrington yeah. didn't, and that's sort of thing I liked about him. Yeah. Why he gets the play to the whistle? Because he he carried on playing. He he went in hard and. 
and won the ball. And you know, but if you go back to the, even the nineties, late nineties, that'd be celebrated as a great tackle. Yeah, we're going last minute, last man, great tackle. It has sort of created a bit of a fierce debate, really, with everybody, hasn't it? Yeah, obviously football's dead now, and you can't tackle. <laughs> Let's be honest, you can't tackle anymore. I feel sorry for defenders nowadays. What are they supposed to do? Yeah. You can't tackle hard. You can't be. I used to love tack- hard tackles. It used to be yeah. one of my favourite things. You see, football. you see more fans get up off the seat when there was a good chance. Well, I mean, that. I grew up with like watching Roy Kings. He was one of my favourite players when I grew up, and James O'Connor was the same. He was like the Stoke version of it, if you, <laughs> if you, if you want to say. But I tell you what, he, he was never afraid of an hard tackle, and, he, and oh, that's what football tackle. was. Yeah. And it's a shame now because it is kind of ruining the game. Way yeah. I mean, you're on about trying to take editing out the ball now. Soon, you can't tackle. Soon it's, it's going to be can't tackle. You just got to let strikers run and score. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever gets the ball first gets the run. Yeah. Right on to James Chester. I think he led, led the back line quite well second yeah, half. Yeah, he, he did become a bit of a leader in the second half. I, I will give him that. And, and they do deserve credit for, like I say, being down to 10 men. They had to sit back and sit deep. And We lost a lot of the ball second half. And we did. And to be fair, Huddersfield second half really didn't create many chances. So defensively, we were very sound. And James Chester was probably a part of that. I mean, I'm going to give him a seven because... Yeah, seven's Because I, I think he did very well defensive. Apart from that obvious mix-up that got Norrington sent off between him and Suter he played brilliant at the back Yeah, can't knock him really we actually we actually looked better defensively when man got sent off than we did in the early first half yeah like you say I mean the thing is in, in we said it before aren't we we do know how to defend not getting we, we, we sort of this is six straight draws now on the road yeah, yeah. and you sort of look at it and think well we're not losing games on the road so as long as we aren't losing, at the end of the day, promotion's completely off cards yeah. for me now. So it's just yeah. about trying to develop what we can and, and push for next season, start yeah. getting rid of this dead wood and move forward. So, like I say, I'll give him a seven. Seven's fair. Right on to Suter. Could you say he was a li- he was a little bit out of position for the red card, maybe? Well, he, him and Chester were both at fault for that yeah. red card. You could see Suter was trying to pass the ball clear and Chester got in his way. Yeah. Which Bad communication. It was bad there. communication for a couple of seconds. But like I say, Norrington Dave did well to get back in there and make the tackle to yeah. stop them breaking forward. Um, yeah, I'll go, this, I'll go a bit less with Suter because I think at times his positioning sense, which is weird really because it's, it's not been his problem recently. No. Since he's come in, positionally he's been one of the best. Yeah. But more, last couple of games, last two or three games, he's looked a bit out of sorts in that in positional sense. Yeah. Um, I'll get like, like I say, I'll go a six for Suter because mm-hmm. I was thinking five, but I'm just being harsh. Awesome. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> to our to our player of the season. So far. On to Mikel. What did he do really? <sighs> yeah. It, what's he stuck out last minute leg a little bit from uh, Alex? I was going to say his name, Vergello. Vergello. Someone can correct me. Well, the alley, you nearly, you could have, it could have been a lawsuit to be said that wrong. There's a joke in here, but that was. Yeah, it was late on, and obviously sent the shot wide. But yeah, another sort of bang average performance for me, really. Yeah, to be honest, I don't know why he's first choice all the time. I don't know what you're doing. Trouble is, though, at the, at the moment, I don't know. Most of our squad is pretty light for lark at the moment, and it was a very poor game of football for me. At the, I mean, I didn't. I mean, I know we had a man sent off, but I don't really think either team deserved when it's 
I think the problem is with what's going on with Michael O'Neill at the moment is he's, he's going ultra defensive to stop the rot of losing. He's going yeah. ultra defensive since, since Campbell's gone. Because he, yeah, he knows we can't score goals. No, but the thing is that the formation we play doesn't suit to score goals. That's It doesn't suit the way we play. No. He's playing. He's trying to play the exact same way that Jones did. And it didn't work for Jones. And no. he's an expert in that diamond, whatever it is. So for me, I just don't see why Obi McCall's on the pitch when we can play a flat free midfield and put Allen and Klukas in them, in them double positions where they defend and then try to break forward. I, I think John Obi McCall's at the moment is a luxury that doesn't really provide anything. No, and the thing is, it's hard to, it's hard to give a lot of these lads a proper rating this week because once we had a man sent off, we completely changed everything. I mean, Allen was playing number 10 role really first off, then he dropped back. Mikel would have dropped back further yeah. and, and, and then it just becomes attack against defence a little bit. Most, If you look at most Huddersfield's chances, they only come, most of them, they come after the red card. They had more of the ball, they were whipping balls. And they, they were awful. They'd been awful for weeks. And at the end of the day, it's a game really on paper. I bet Michael O'Neill was thinking, well, we should get three points here really. Well, we should do. Yeah. They're a bad run of form. They're a bad run of form and they, they, they're rubbish. You know? I mean, yeah. you've had to bring 38-year-old uh, Richard Keogh in this week. So, it shows you how desperate they are, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just poor. So, I mean, for me, Mikel gets a five. Yeah. He really do anything to me to, to get anything more than that. On to Alan. I think he had a poor game, I'll be honest. I don't know what he's bringing. This is the thing that's... Just before he came back from back to fitness, obviously, we, we were looking sort of laboured we needed somebody in that midfield just to provide more but we've it's like what people have said Campbell's getting injured has killed us yes and, and, on, and on Saturday Allen just wasn't involved enough in the right areas he, he was picking the ball up but he wasn't sort of bombing forward and he wasn't creating chances his passing wasn't to any avail it was sideways passing again which is what we saw from him before and on Saturday, every time he had the ball, he was passing to the easy man all the time. Mm. No incentive to put a good long ball in or pick this man out or pick that man out. Safe play again. I think my problem was, I think he was getting the run around off Bakuna at times in the middle. There was a couple of times, he just couldn't keep up with him. He, he showed it towards the end of the game where he just looked laboured for me. And, and the thing is, he isn't getting any younger, is he? And Bakuna's punished us in the past the Cuban's a good player he's probably yeah. their best player I'm surprised they've still got him to be honest he's a good player I mean he let he let Bakuna pass at one point and I thought he was going to whip it top corner <laughs> he, he yeah. just just bad he was a bystander I think we look very disorganised in the middle at the moment and that's what's causing problems up top because we know Fletcher can put the ball in the back of the net he's, yeah, added, yeah, yeah. he's added pace in the transfer market nothing's really changed I think supply is a big issue now in that middle. Things that need to improve in that middle. Yeah, I think Joe Allen at times is a bit of a negativity on that side because the biggest issue ever since Joe Allen came to the club was, was always that, especially when we dropped to the Championship as well, is this easy pick when it comes to passing. Yeah. He's free. Because I, I, I feel like whenever he, he goes to the end of the game, we'll just look at his possession. Ooh, 18 completed passes, 23 completed passes, but there were literally people next to him who were in yards of space. They are, they yeah, are, they are. Hot potatoes. Yeah, rather than, yeah. I'll pick a great pass out to get Fletcher away or get Clark away down this side. It was just, 
every time I watched him against Huddersfield, his, his passing was just sideways. It was just to the open, easy man all the time. And it was just making, it was just putting him under pressure, dropping back. And it was just easy to pick up because he yeah. knew where Alan was going to pass the ball. Yeah. For me, for me, he gets a five as well. Yeah. Midfield-wise, over the last couple of weeks, we've been horrific. Thompson, in place of Klukas from the previous game. Um, delivery was good again. I can't argue with his I can't, I, can't, I can't argue with his delivery. The problem is, though, why isn't he doing these beautiful little passes in the, in the pitch, in the games? Because mm-hmm. we know he can do. We know he, he can pick a pass. He, he's always been known for that. He just doesn't do it enough in the games. And at times, he becomes a bit of a bystander. It's the same as Alan, where he's picking the easy pass. And this is my biggest fault with the way our midfield's playing at the moment. It's the easy pass all the time, yeah. easy pass. And the only time the creative wingers get the ball is when they're deep and they're open yeah. because they're not high enough to affect the, the play. I think a lot of, lot of our ball play in the middle is easily read by our teams at the moment. And that, that's that's a scary thing. Because we're not making any creative passes. Yeah, it's, all it's always passing. sideways passing. Or, yeah. and the thing is, like... The goal, for example, the only way we were going to score today was from a mistake like that or a penalty, and that, that's what it proved. We were toothless again. And especially when, especially second half, they were breaking quite deep, and I was, expect, I was going, go on, Thompson, put a good ball over there. Put a good ball through. Try to yeah. get us away. But it wasn't. He was passing to Joe Allen, who was next to him, who was going, we are having back. Yeah. And it was back back to Mikel. Mikel to Suti. Go again. Pass, pass, pass. I'm going nowhere. Yeah. Just giving teams the opportunity to organise ready for the cross well, and the, and the reason why we, we, we're struggling to break down teams is because this midfield isn't being that dynamic enough in possession and trying to get these creative wings away and I don't know if it's the only way to fix it I don't know how to fix it other than putting wingers in I mean I'm still old fashioned I still love like four four two. I just I just think it's always suited us in, in the past where we do wet balls and we, it doesn't matter who's been in charge we've still gone I mean Fletcher is a target man at the end of the day and if you feed him, he will get your goals. Well, he's proved he got goals. He's come yeah. back for what two games and he's hit the back of the net twice. I know one's a penalty, but he took his chance against Watford. Well, I mean, Thompson gets a six for me. The only reason why he gets a six is his dead ball was pretty good. Yeah, he was at least trying to get something created. Yeah, on to James McLean. Which Poor game. I think he was our only threat going forward at times. But he was at fault for their goal. He was at that fault, but then he did have that goal line clearance as well. Yeah. And a bit of a mixed bag afternoon for me. The problem is it's hard Judge Stoke at the moment to do these player ratings because there's no sort of attack when I'm watching them play. Like McLean, it was bombing. He was trying to bomb and trying to get us forward, but he was just running down empty channels all the time. He was running down cul-de-sacks all the time. Mm-hmm. He was running, boom, defended, tackle, black it comes. Yeah. And yeah, he did make up for the mistake by clearing that heading. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing for that goal because at first he was marking the man who scored the right back Pippa, is it Pippa? Yeah. And then he, for some reason, he went, he, he went to the wingy who had Norrington Davis covering him, and then he passed it and he was away and yeah, yeah, yeah a lot of luck and he yeah. went in for one nil, but he'd lost his man. If he, if he was if he'd done his job, he wouldn't have got the ball in the first place. No, no, because he should have been defending. Yeah, if he if he kept with his man and kept him marked, and this proves that he's too he's too he's too deep, he's mm. too low, and it's it's nullifying them all completely. I think I think that's probably Stoke reflection since Christmas, where you can't say we're playing bad for ninety minutes, but we're having bad moments and good moments in games, and that's why we're not losing. That's why we we are picking up the odd points, 
is because there's parts of the game that we're doing well, but then there's a large portion of the game where we're making stupid mistakes. Yeah, that, that's that's the frustrating thing. The big, the big proof in the pudding is that we've got inconsistent players, and it's showing. You look at last season compared to this season, it's like our oh, probably most consistent players, the young lads that have come through. Yeah, not none of the signings. I mean, we've all been praising for the signings. Fletcher's been good, but the problem is with Fletcher, what we all keep saying, is keeping it, keeping him fit. But I mean, McLean on McLean on Saturday, I'll give him, I'll give him a five. I'll give him a five because he was at fault for the goal and he saved the goal at the same time. So, yeah, it levels it back up to five. I can't go any higher than that, really. <laughs> yeah, like I say, I just think it, it just seems to be a common occurrence every week. Not terrible, but not not great at the same time. It's just yeah, a bit up and down. Right, Claude, what's your score? You I'll made. give him a six. Six, just for that clearance because it killed the game. If we 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 wouldn't have come back from it at that point. Yeah. When he had the goal line clearance for me, so Clark looked bright again. He was well, good, well in the build up before. Well, the well, he got the penalty didn't he? and that's what shows you that if he's out the pitch, he can be an effective player. He's dangerous, yeah. He's too deep. He's too deep. Yeah. And it's a shame because we brought him in, and you can see the lads desperate get games and try to prove to Tottenham he he was worth the nine million pound fee. But when he's come Stoke, he's probably kicking himself because it's like if you saw the first half. That to follow the captain of Huddersfield was bombing down that left side. He must have had every chance was coming through that left hand side yeah. because you're putting a winger at right wing back, yeah. and he's not a defensive player. Yeah. Clearly, in that yeah. in that first half, proved enough from Jack Clark. He can't play right wing. He's got no presence about him. He's skinny and he's quick. Yeah. Don't play him at right wing back. Yeah. It's like fair enough. If he was like McLean, who's got a bit of size to him, who, who, who can shift somebody out of the way. Because yeah. McLean can do that. He's not defensively proved that he doesn't know what he's doing defensively. But, but he's he a battery man. He's, he's strong. strong. Yeah. Jack Clark isn't. No. He's you know he. Uh, I've seen more. I've seen more meat on an eating chicken nugget. Let's be honest. Yeah. He's just he's there to cause big problems going forward. He's quick. He's tricky and. Like you say, he wins us the penalty, gets us back into the game. And I mean, it's, it's quite frustrating when earlier in the week, Michael O'Neill sitting there saying, as far as business is concerned, we're looking at youth and we're looking at pace. We've got no pace going forward. Well, that's because the players you brought in not playing up front. Yeah, you're not playing them where they play. I mean, his performance also, I mean, that was a good bit of trickery where he got in, moved in, and went down for the penalty properly. Proper Premier League fall as well. <laughs> to make sure that the ref saw it was it was it was a decent performance. I mean I will he's not a right wing back, so I can't judge him too harshly, but I'll I'll give him a six because of the penalty. Mm-hmm. He, he did he did okay for me, but yeah, I mean, it, but it, he was overlapped all the time. He's not a right wing back, it's simple no. as that. And the thing is second half obviously we had not a lot of the ball, so we couldn't really yeah, do it. Really so like say I'll give him a six. Flat chip. Took a cracking penalty. It's a great penalty. And that's it I can say, really. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember really doing anything else apart from a bit of defensive weight that I thought was quite good, but... Just six and did nothing else. I'll give, nothing else. I'll give him a seven because he took the penalty well and, you know, especially more recently, we, we penalties were a bit of a big problem. And I think he's hit everyone in, anti so far. So I'll give I'll give him a seven just, just man of the match because he scored the penalty, really. I can't really... Go on, anything else? Yeah, shall we have a look at the subs this week? Yeah, just just say the subs, yeah. Brown for Fletcher. What a big influence he made, Brown, when he came up. 
Well, he was like a lonely man on that bench. Stood the halfway line. I bet he was cold. I felt for him. I felt like going, go on, get him a coat. Yeah, got on his own for long, long periods of the second half. So. A lot of standing about from Jacob yeah. Brown. Basically, if he was a labourer, he'd sack him, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to mention who I would, but I know if you are. And cousins come on for Clark, played right midfield, but... He has played winger before. It was <laughs> backs to the wall at that point anyway. But he, he could defend, so you have to bring him on to the audits. And plus, it was quite obvious that he had to come on for Clark because Clark mm. just was getting overrun all the time by Tafoli because he isn't a right wing back. Trouble is, your game plan changes at that point because, I mean, we didn't even make a third substitution. But if you look at who's on, if you're down to 10 men, really the only player we could possibly could have brought on was Smith. Um, that or, shows, or that da- shows you how bad he, he rates Tommy Smith that, or, he, that he'd rather put Cousins on. Or Danny Bart, that, that they were the only I'd, two. I'd put Danny Bart up front. Yeah. I, people, keep, people keep saying it. I'm not joking. If yeah. we need a replacement for Stephen Fletcher at this moment in time, I'd put Danny Bart on. Because <laughs> at least he can get his head on something. The thing is, obviously, down to 10 under a lot of pressure. You're not going to bring Vokes or Matondo. I wouldn't bring Vokes on even if we had no men left. <laughs> <laughs> if we had one sub left and it was Vokes or no one, it's no one. Yeah, just lose the game. <laughs> <laughs> even if he had an injury, I'd just play with 10 men. Yeah. Right, so that's that done. Right, we'll go and take Michael O'Neill's ratings this week. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be too harsh. I'm harsh. Are you? I'm not even kidding, I'm harsh. you harsh, man. <laughs> I'm getting with a three. And I'm getting with a three with this ridiculous formation that he keeps consisting with yeah that is a, a big problem we I mean, could have been three 0 at half time before the sending off because we because we had nobody on the right wing right back position he kept getting overrun Clark did because he's not a right wing back a manager with half a brain knows that he's not a right wing back yeah that's a follow was running up and down that down that left side for the first 40 minutes they got a goal out of it the first one Fraser Campbell had a great head in the second one. There was a third chance not long after. This comes down to common sense. Why you brought a, a young right winger who's skinny, quick, fast and good in the opposition area, which he proved for a couple of seconds with the penalty that if you put him in the right end, he'll create chances or, yeah. or do damage to an opposition team. I think that's frustrating when it's pretty it's pretty blatantly obvious at that point. It's not hard to see, is it, that these players are dangerous when they're going forward? We still anyone would think we were playing top of the league week in week out. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's it, against the wall. It's, so. We're defending all the time. Yeah, and we're only he only makes changes when we go down. So yeah. like against Watford, where we went two 0 down. Right now we'll make attacking creations. I don't understand what he's doing. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here blaming Michael O'Neill for everything, saying that. He's the problem, this, that, and the other. He's done brilliant, and I think he's a good manager. But he's got to start like being a bit more attacking yeah. when we come down to these matches. We've lost Campbell, fair enough. But we've brought in two there that I believe are good, creative attacking options in Matondo and Clark. Fair enough, not strikers, but if you put them out of the pitch, they'll create chances. Yeah. And I don't know why they're not playing. Well, the thing is, you could take a defeat if we're going to have a right good go at teams. The thing is, we never look like we never look like winning. We never look like losing. <laughs> just stuck in a rut every week. It's worse. I'd both first see us like have a right good go at team. Oh, we lost two one, but we we played out of skin. We hit the ball, we hit the post, we missed the. Do you know what I mean? And you think, well, at least you've had a go at it. 
this defensive version when Tony was in charge at times it, it's so defensive and it, it's what's annoying me now because I'm watching the games and I'm finding it hard again it's like when Nathan Jones was in charge it, I'm finding it hard to watch the games because it, it, honestly at times it's like watching paint dry yeah. there's no creativity no movements forward I sit there thinking I can't, I can't see us having a shot on target in this first half you know, I think the only shot we had on target was the penalty on team yeah. So, you know, it's it's even worse at times. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's more blatantly obvious when there's no fans there either. It shows so so much when when you sort of sit there and think this is diabolical to watch. And and the thing is, he's he, he's sitting there week after week saying that we need more pace, we need more creativity. And he's got forward, it now, and he's bought it in, but not utilizing it to the way it should be. He can't, he can't be that bad to play four at the back. Now, another problem I have is why does he keep consisting with John Obi McCall? I don't see anything in his performances that improve that midfield. I no. really don't. No, at, at the beginning, I used to think it was his sort of experience that was the reason why. Because he never sort of, he never sort of went too far out of position. He'd just sit in front of that back, back line and just do the dirty work and let everybody else move forward but maybe he is doing that job and I'm just not noticing it <laughs> <laughs> not like Lord McAuley what a tackle that is I mean he doesn't tackle a lot he doesn't seem to be in the right places he gets overrun all the time he, he looks knackered after 60 minutes but never seems to bring him off must be a great character he must be a great character he must, he must have something that I'm not seeing because I'm not seeing it on the pitch right your score I'll give him a five you generous man! Yeah. The thing is, I think what what a lot of people are forgetting slightly is, with the FFB and these players that are still stuck on the book, some of them are still going to be here next year. And the thing is, unless they go back out on loan, we're stuck for bringing any... Because the problem is at Championship, you've got that... It's that fine line, isn't it? If you're going to bring in a top championship player, you're going to play top money for it. So that rules us out straight away with the players that are still on the books and we haven't got rid of them. So you look at some of the other lads we've brought in who are youth. Now, a lot of them come in with potential. That potential can either turn into a real good bit of business or or not. And if you're getting in permanence, then you've got time for nurture and get them where you want. Whereas, obviously, loans are a quick fix. But until we get them off the books, most signings are going to be quite, for me, mediocre for the next 18 months. I don't, I don't think it makes any difference who's in charge at Stoke. Until a lot of them come off the books, this is what you're going to see, I think. Well, so, well, sorry to put a on you. I feel depressed now. But anyway, but we'll move on to the deadline day next. But same clue two. Clue two. Clue two, here we go. Come on, 4 2. Right. He scored yeah. a massive one goal for Stoke. One goal. Against oh. West Ham United. In the Prem. And he never actually signed permanently to Stoke. He had two loan spells and he made 13 appearances. This is ridiculously tough, this one, isn't it? <laughs> you completely throw me off with these clues. <laughs> two times on loan. That's thrown one of them out. Two of them out, actually. Yes. <laughs> Actually, three of them. <laughs> That's it, man. That's it. 
think you've got me on this one. Now I can say anything on the third clue. <laughs> he lives. He's <laughs> <laughs> got me a clue. He can't just go, he played in Benidorm. <laughs> Is that it? Is that all get us a clue? Uh, go on, I'll give you a little snippet. Seeing as it is your birthday. It is, 30 tomorrow. <laughs> now that is a lie. <laughs> what do we mean? He also played for Southampton and made over 60 appearances for them. Brilliant. <laughs> that doesn't mean any shape or form. <laughs> it's the two loan spells that throws me out. Oh, there's the only person I can I can think who had two loan spells at Stoke during that period. Played for the Congo, but he came from Fulham. Are you sure? You're checking it up now. It's like one loan spell. I'm going to look at his history. <laughs> right, so now we'll go into obviously transfer deadline day that slams shut. Monday night at half past 11, is it? 11 o'clock, half past 11, is it? I'm not sure. I don't know. We'll know when Jim White comes on. Well, I stupidly went in early, then to this morning on the partners group page. Went straight in. What, what does everybody want on deadline day? Four people. It's not deadline day today, mate. What? <laughs> I couldn't do Sam God's day. Look at you on day of rest. <laughs> right, so there's been a, a bit of interest from our players, which is... Lee Gregory. Lee Gregory to Huddersfield. Can I have him? He must be desperate. <laughs> Can I have him for free if you want? <laughs> should have asked for him yesterday. He could have stayed. Do you want him? Just don't come back with us. He's <laughs> staying here. Come on. What's the deal in Taylor? Is it supposed to be a payment deal or a loan spell till his contract's up? Uh, they haven't really left a great lot of details at the moment, but they reckon it's gonna. if they're going to do any business, it will be tomorrow. So... Well, if you get him off the books, it's obviously going to be a good, a good way of getting rid of one of them anyway. Yeah, I mean, we've also heard this week about Burnley returned with 7.5 million birds, which was turned down. I mean, that was laughable. Did we think we were going to sell Nathan Collins for £4.5 million? Yeah. Well, you're not Burnley like. I know you? what the coach Skulls is like. Yeah. <laughs> Great deal! <laughs> Quick, get it in! <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 7.5. Nowhere near. Nearly doubled what the original. Yeah, nowhere near still. Nowhere near. Uh, um... To be honest, I mean, if somebody asked me, to, oh, yeah, when was it Wednesday, would you let him go? And said, well, if the price is right, then you have to be considered the prices. But I wouldn't let him go for anything less than 18 million. No. In the uh, nowadays market. I mean, I think. I think probably some Stoke fans are probably looking at it a bit scarce because of what happened with Jack Butland, but there's a big difference uh, with Nathan Collins. Nathan Collins has been playing well for Stoke He's a very good player. He's a good player. Butland wasn't when we had a lot of transfer embargo with him because he wanted out, whereas, as far as I'm aware, there's nothing coming from his camp saying he's desperate leaves so Stoke. Well, not for Burnley, anyway. Why, uh, Burnley? Why would you want to hear Burnley? <laughs> It's foggy all the time. It's, it's cold. <laughs> can I stay living here? Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, I can understand the the arts of the Premier League will attract, but I think realistically, when for me he's only just broken into the, the first team. Yeah, I'd be a bad move for him. He's not going for him. Stay at Stoke for two seasons. If, if, we, if we don't push towards the Premier League next season, then think right. I'm going to have my second and final season still. I'm going to move for good money yeah. to do you a favour for bringing me through. Sometimes you do. Me, you can move to the Prem too early and then you end up sitting on the bench. Well, Jack Clark, Jack Clark on loan's proof of that, leaving Leeds to go there for nine million. Spurs, you need and now, work, obviously, you? regret leaving there because he could have played with the best player in the Prem, which is Patrick Bamford. Wow, so that's a big call, like, you know. You know, you still back, you still backtrack on him being a crap player, though, will you? He's having a new haircut. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, like I say, for me, he's two years off a move at least. Well, I'd least. say the end of the season and next season, if we aren't pushing towards Premier League, then make a big money move and get your career going in the Prem. That 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 he'd have a few games under him there, bit of experience, and he'd be probably the right age to go and move on. Yeah, I mean, we've also heard this week about Harry Suter having a contract extension. Has he signed that now? As far as I'm aware, he does not want to go anywhere. So well, that's good news because um, I think Suter will be a long term plan. We'd have we'd have to build his defence around him and Collins anyway. But if Collins obviously has had his head turned, then it'd just be Suter on his own. But yeah, the the, the improvements of Harry Suter into our defence this season's been second to none for me so far. I'll be brutally honest. I think he's our player of the year so far. It it strikes me that last season when he went out on loan, that the the words from Stoke were that if you do well on this loan spell, you'll be looking at first team next year. Because yeah. the thing is, he's come straight in and pretty much played all season. And then when he's come for a contract extension, he's gone, ah, ah, the loan spell did me well and I want to stay. Which tells me that Stoke have obviously stuck to what they've said to him. Yeah, And yeah. he's happy about that. that. That's how it comes across to me anyway. Well, uh, we're now seeing what Joey Barton was saying. Joey Barton said he was almost, if he wasn't on loan, he probably would have won player of the year back to back. Yeah. Fleetwood so it's obviously good signs from Stoke that we've got a talented young defender at the back who wants to stay and, and try to get this club back in the Premier League it's players we've been crying out for for a long time young talent and at the moment we've developed quite a bit of it Berzik Collins yeah. Campbell's come through you know Valinden's come but obviously gone and you know we've got Doherty who's, who's going to slowly start bleeding in because that's why you're going to get bigger clubs looking at, at, at our defence because I know at the end of the day I know we're not winning games but you've had six away games and drawn all six it means you're doing something right at the back yeah, yeah, at the end yeah. of the day I know we can moan about being too defensive I, I think we've I think we improved at the back without any question oh massively. It, massively it has been a massive improvement for Michael O'Neill and, it, and we have to realise like I know I was having to go at him over the ways playing this that and the other but he is trying to make that defence over time be stronger than what it is it's just a shame we can't get Dick Norrington Davis on a permanent basis and build behind Suter and Davis and, and slowly start piecing together the jigsaw which is what I think he's doing I mean the biggest disappointment this week which really sort of annoyed me was Cosgrove going to Birmingham yeah that's that's one that's annoyed me because I think he was the missing link to our forward line for the future really we are still short up top and and the thing is that's why I'm trying not to be too negative towards O'Neill because I do see this as a project in his eyes. At the end of the day, you could pick holes in our defence last season. It was shambolic sometimes. Even even under O'Neill, I'm not saying he'd not the thing is when O'Neill came in, we started scoring goals. And that was the difference. We started even when we'd gone behind, we'd come back. And yeah. that's where that's where the improvement came. We need to score goals to stay in this division, and we did that. Whereas he's come in this season and gone, right, well, the defence desperately needs sorting out. Yeah. And he's gone, right, I've done that. Then do you look at it next year where he, where he sort of looks at the attack and then you see an improvement up there. It, I do think the Campbell thing is unfortunate for him because it's obvious that he was making a massive difference to us up top and... I think that can happen to any team, can't it? I mean, you're watching it in the Premier League now with Liverpool. Yeah, he was getting injuries. Injuries are a problem. You lose a big player, a big centre-off, or somebody who's going to give you 18 to 20 points a season on their own for things they do within the game. 
when you lose that player, it's going to affect you. And at the end of the day, Campbell runs defenders ragged at times. And he's a good player. He's a good player. And, and, and if you lose that player, we do look a bit toothless up top at the moment. Like sometimes we're talking on the on the pages about what's been going on with Michael O'Neill, and it's rec- recently we have been missing out on his targets. Lyndon Dykes went to QPR. Cosgrove's now gone Birmingham. Uh, Jack Brain went to Appiol, Appowell in Cyprus. Um, and the right winger that he was looking at at Hibernian, I'm not sure where he went, but there was rumours it was Fulham. Whatever, I'm not sure where he's gone. Is that a worrying sign that we're getting close to deadline day and we're missing out on his permanent targets? Trouble as they want, but they do not think this is a little bit deja vu from previous managers. How many times did we see Tony have certain transfer targets he didn't get? Nathan Jones stood down the training pitch and said, you get four choices. And we sat here and said, what choice did did he, did he actually get, Nathan Jones? He's got a lot of sl- slating off Stoke fans, but if the, if it's out of four and it's, it's been his fourth choice, you don't know. Mm. How many players, as Michael O'Neill said, I want this, 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 and it's gone, no, 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 money-wise. Yeah. Which is more sort of going to be more key now because the lack of funds coming in from revenue. Mm. This good money's going to be tight. It's not going to be offer him another ten grand a week. Offer him another five. It'll be that tight. The only thing that worries me is that we're going to get into that sinking mentality where because normally after three years in the championship, you now become an established championship side, which is going to happen now because we're not going to go up this season unless you know somebody comes on loan and starts banging goals left, yeah. right, and centre. I can't see us no. With the way we're playing as well at the moment, we're looking like scoring a goal is the is the hardest. It's like climbing Everest. The way we're, we're taking chances or creating. We've still got to start winning games because I mean, I mean, the thing is, it's all well and good saying well six six away draws in a row, but any team can beat anybody in this division, and the bottom teams will pick up points. Prove that last season. We had a couple of good results, and everyone behind us was winning as well at the same time. Yeah. Teams that hadn't won in four or five. Barnsley and Luton yeah, started winning it started winning games regularly and, and every time you looked at the table you were four points clear then it was one point clear four points clear one point clear if we keep drawing we'll just keep bouncing down we've dropped down to 10th now this weekend yeah I mean we sort of languished in 8th for a while somehow I don't know how we were staying in 8th no. I, really, I really don't know how we were staying I, mean, there, I mentioned to you did so earlier about the, the Carlisle game in League 2 that they hadn't played for 28 days drew the game I think and, and went second <laughs> I thought well I wish they could do that <laughs> yeah. uh, well I mean good news has been coming out of the call I mean they've been advertising towards an analytics team and modernising which apparently is all coming through Michael O'Neill he wants to modernise the club and, and move us out of this dark age way of buying players. Yeah. And if they're advertising for analy- analytics managers and analytics people, it obviously knows that that's the way to go forward. Apparently there's talk that's coming out of the club that we're trying to be like a Brentford now, spotting players from lower divisions and lower levels and bringing them in to the championship and try to progress them into being first-choice players. But I've not seen much of it from the first team side of the board. Jacob Brown doesn't look like no. a player that's ready for the division. Jordan Thompson's inconsistent. You know, Fletcher's coming on free transfer, who's been a, a massive improvement to the forward line. But, but he's not long term. But he's not long term because of his injury injury problems all the time. Yeah. And he's 33. 
I mean, hopefully in the future with more signings like Norrington Davies and all those players, that we can start building a young modern squad, but it has to start coming quick. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, it's getting to the point now where because teams in the Premier League have got to be a little bit tighter with what they spend, you notice that they're dipping into the Championship a lot more frequent than they ever have. Yeah, but for hefty fees. I mean, that's what I'm saying. They, they're paying big money. And the thing is, you've seen players <coughs> that he's a at QPR, he's gone for sort of 20 plus million on the back of maybe 18 months of having a good spell there. And all right, fair enough, he scored goals for Palace. But players are doing well for low-end championship teams and then all of a sudden the big boys are coming in and taking them. So every time you get anywhere near where you want to be, somebody's coming in for them. Well, it's more than anywhere, any now. I mean, look at the improvement of Aston Villa since Ollie Watkins has gone in there and... He's tucked to the Premier League like a doctor all. You've got Jared Bowie, who's gone from Hull to yeah. West Ham, probably been one of their better players this season. Yeah, well, he, he kept all in the division until he left. Yeah, basically, yeah. I can remember the game we lost, when Ryan Woods pretty much gave all the game. Yeah, he, he's another forgotten man at Stoke. Yeah, well, he's in Millwall, but his yeah. contract, I think, runs out and he goes there permanent, so technically I think he's gone. Right, so we'll go into the final clue. Final clue? Right. Try and give you a. I mean, he played for Southampton. Isn't a massive clue, is it? His mum's name. (laughs) He is a man of very few. Played in the Europa League. He's also played in a playoff final against Watford and lost. He's also scored in a playoff semi final (laughs) against (laughs) Preston. It's helping me in any way. Not, not who he played with or who was his manager. That's, that's I mean, Richard Cresswell, I mean, I think we put it on your, on your hands. <laughs> well, he made over 186 appearances for Leeds uh, before having two loan spells at Stoke. Made his debut in, against Tel Aviv. He replaced Gary Kelly at Leeds through retirement. He's also played for Charlton. I can't really give you any more clues, to be honest. 2003. Is he Irish? Is he in? He's 5 for 11. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Yorkshire boy. Rotherham. I've got... I've, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm struggling with the two loan spells. So did he go from to Stoke and then go back to Leeds? He went back to Leeds and he went back, they sent him back to Stoke. He had 40 appearances at Charlton. Then he moved to Southampton when Southampton were a League One club in 2010. The only player I can think of who had two loan spells, but he was at Fulham, the centre back. But I can't, I can't think of who this. So he plays right back. Yeah. So yeah. So he's and he got relegated to Leeds. He only played four Premier League games, man. In in his first season, he played Championship and League One for Leeds. So he stayed with Leeds in three divisions. He played seven games for Stoke in 2002 and he's played six games and scored one goal in 2003. Then he moved to League One Charlton in 2009. I'd have got a clue. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to be honest, I, I can't remember. So he obviously played with Pulis. Didn't really obviously impress because, you know, like I say, the only person I can think of is Danny Pugh, but he was a left-back. I can't think of who this is. It might be my first defeat. <laughs> the thing is there's not much detail on him 
about Stoke because they were like they were like the worst loads of pals, but he did play for Stoke. He just basically said he went Stoke, come back, <laughs> and that's it. Why did they lose him again then? <laughs> <laughs> and still not playing very much either. Because the only thing, the only players I can think of who got relegated with Leeds that stayed with Leeds were Danny Pugh, Dominic Matteo, and Michael Dubry. He also played right midfield. That was his second position. Played right midfield for Leeds a couple of times. So he's a winger now. He's played in both positions. Wing at his his position is right back, but he's played right midfield as well. No, you put me out this year. I've no idea. Fraser Richardson. Who the fuck's that? <laughs> <laughs> Where the fuck was supposed to go with the LC? <laughs> Ooh, he's getting a bit dark now. Is it for the that? That's nearly as bad as he was Bobby's cat. Played <laughs> for Stoke. Oh, God, I actually remember him now, actually. <laughs> he was American, wasn't he? That's a rather... I've got one little bit of news as well that What's I picked this? up on. Lars Benkophobia has won a trophy. What's he won? He's won the Turkish Super Cup. He's been late for that, haven't he? What's the start well, of the Well, I just thought it's a little bit of news, eh? Hey? <laughs> And one wrong. What did he do? Play with Fraser Richardson and Chelsea. Yeah, well, this one. He scored, he scored a penalty. Former Stoke target, Denver Bar. He's getting on a bit now, Denver Bar. Right after that bombshell of me not getting a point, which has annoyed me. <sighs> not happy with that. Devastated. I am devastated. Thanks for listening. Ta-ra. Ta-ra. All the best.